Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucked Up fam? Welcome, welcome back to episode two of the white lotus or episode two of season six uh i figured we could just get right into it because i yeah i don't have a lot i hope this intro is gonna be short but you know you never really know with me so starting with personal updates i just had the most amazing dinner that i made okay i love sots i can't (laughs) now i'm thinking about it too much tzatziki sauce i what the fuck i got like shy tzatziki the greek white yogurt sauce with cucumber okay but i make my own version of it i make my own version of that tzatziki sauce and i made a whole bunch of it like maybe like the big old tub of uh greek yogurt and then i just like you know made it into a tzatziki sauce I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but basically, instead of already adding parsley, I add cilantro because I'm a Mexican bitch. I love cilantro on everything. And I add a whole bunch of garlic, lime juice, lime zest, salt, and of course, cucumber. That's uh, a sticky sauce without cucumber. I don't know her. But I had made this whole bunch of it. And I had leftover chicken. And then I had the fries that you freeze and then you just throw in the air fryer and they're ready. So I was like, what if I made myself some fries and then I add some cheese on top and then I put the chicken and then I add the tzatziki sauce and I had just made some bomb ass spicy salsa. Uh, Just in case you want to know, my salsa had tomato, jalapeno, uh, a little bit of chile de arbol. I don't know how to say uh, dried chili dried chili uh the chili from the tree yeah (laughs) cilantro uh, a little bit of onion some garlic and salt and um oil so good so so good so i had all that and pickled onions if you're not a pickled girl i like everything pickled so i put it all together and i came up with the most amazing fries and of course that's a lot of like a lot of fries, carbs, and then uh, protein, chicken. So I had a salad on the side, you know, to balance it all out because I'm trying to be a skinny bitch uh, for summer, just for summer. And then I'll go back to being a fat bitch for winter. <laughs> Even though we're like almost done with summer. Wait, I think I, I yeah, that maybe next year. <laughs> I'm going to be a happy gal. Whatever my body looks like. I'm going to be happy because we are not going to criticize our bodies. Um, I don't know why I just sang that. I'm so sorry. Whoever is, sweetie, sweetie, I'm so sorry that you just had to listen to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know why I wanted to share my dinner with y'all. Are we, are we on a date? Are we dating right now? Like, is this what people do when they date? They just tell their significant other what they did throughout the day and then what they ate wow this is my longest committed relationship fucked up fam honestly round of fucking applause for me (laughs) uh 
that was a TMI. I'm so sorry for that. Again, sweetie, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Uh, I wanted to give you an update on the basketball league that I joined. <laughs> Holy shit. So we're three games in. Uh, we've lost all three of the games, but it's okay. It's okay. No worries. Uh, we're just, honestly, I'm just having fun. I'm sweating a lot. I'm basically dying each game, but having fun nonetheless and i feel like the first game we sucked ass and then the second and third game we've gotten better so maybe by the fourth game we'll be uh progressing and by the 10th game maybe we'll win a game or something <laughs> i think there's only like 10 games in the league so yeah um uh yeah so doing that and then i also wanted to give i think i mentioned it in one of my previous episodes how a goal of mine was to go out by myself and then just go get drinks and then just go bar hopping. And I finally did it, fucked up them. I finally gathered up the courage to go out by myself. And it was great. It was a great fucking experience. I went to a bar, had some drinks, had some drinks witnessed a bartender fight like a client and then the girl bartender gave me a free drink uh the barkeep gave me a free drink i guess they just like notice that you're there alone and maybe they feel bad for me i don't know but i keep the free drinks coming my dudes and then i went to another bar and this like couple was there and the girl was so beautiful shout out to her shout out to that girl we followed each other on instagram um they gave me a shot and then i got another free drink i i like ran into a friend he gave me a free drink and then it was great it was so much fun so here's your reminder to go out and do stuff by yourself okay uh don't be afraid don't don't think like just don't think (laughs) don't think no thoughts literally just vibes i basically you know, had to work myself up for it because I I was anxious. Obviously, you're going out by yourself in a social setting where people are there with friends, but I just wanted to go out and have a good time. And why is my friends being busy supposed to stop me? Or like, why is my friends being out of town supposed to stop me from having a good time? You know, so I did had to get a little alcohol courage. I had made myself a drink at home as I got ready um and then yeah i just called the uber and left and it was so much fun yeah shout out to doing things for yourself shout out to being independent as girly just doing what you want and i texted my coworker. no uh i was was it it was through dm and instagram and i was like oh i'm going out by myself so just keep track of my location because obviously we share each other's locations I love sharing locations with people. It gives me peace of mind. It keeps me sane. I'm a paranoid ass individual. Um, So I just need to know that everyone made it home safe. And, you know, sometimes when you're like, oh, text me when you get home safe. And then they don't text you. And then you never know if they did. And then if you have their location, you know where they're at all the time. It is not stalker vibes, okay? This is not me being a stalker. I just want to make sure that you're safe and sound period point blank let's move on to podcast updates uh so the wrap-up episode for midnight mass actually uh i released it today so now you get to know where i'm at uh in the time machine like time traveling so i just released it today and you know i'm i'm so sorry for that episode i feel like it was all over the fucking place i'm gonna be apologizing for that one and it was long as fuck too it was so long it was almost two hours long but it's it's been dropped and on time so don't come for me 
And I made such a funny meme. Um, so it basically, you know, because I, I talked about Colts and Jim Jones, and I put a picture of Jim Jones right next to the angel slash devil from Midnight Mass. And I'm like, oh, uh, find the differences between these two pictures. And then I was like, trick question. They're the same picture. <laughs> I'm so funny. I should be uh, a stand-up comic comic is that what you call it a comedian <laughs> a comic is no what the fuck i can't even speak never mind i should not be a stand-up co comic aka a stand-up comedian it's fine it's okay maybe later i do want to try comedy though i'm telling you i want to be a comedy whore i want to be a comedy groupie I'm just trying to live my best life and go watch comedy shows and then get a little drunk, get a little twisted, and then come home and have a a, a good night by myself. I mean, maybe if someone wants to come I mean, what? <laughs> scratch that, scratch that, scratch that. Okay, let's move on. So in the recommendations corner, I don't have much. I finally felt emotionally uh, prepared, emotionally, mentally stable to start rewatching Legend of Korra. That was a mistake because I'm a mess. Oh, my God. It, seeing, uh, you know, Avatar, seeing, you know, the last, the, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't speak. Like, I'm already all tongue-tied. Seeing Katara as an old woman telling her son Tenzin that he should appreciate time, like spending time with his siblings, because you get to appreciate that sort of thing as uh, like at her old age. And you're just like, oh, my God, she's saying that because Sokka is dead now and that like Aang is dead and basically Toph and Katara are the only ones that are left, but they don't seem like they talk a lot. I'm literally crying right now. Like, y'all don't understand the grip, the fucking grip that Legend of Korra has on my life. And I will not stand for the Legend of Korra hatred in this podcast. In this podcast, we understand that Aang and Korra are two different people with two different upbringings and that they are different and we don't compare them against each other because they're both fucking amazing and they're both human beings with their faults but we love them all equally oh my god i literally one tear running down my cheek right now i could be a fucking actress if i wanted to i just i would just have to think about legend of fucking cora my dudes <laughs> this show brings me so much joy like you don't understand uh, but yeah, I actually do want to watch a show. It's on my to watch list. It's The Bear. Uh, I think it's. I believe it's on Hulu again. Hulu doing God's fucking work. Hell yeah! And Lip Gallagher, like the actor that plays Lip Gallagher, is like the main guy in The Bear. So I'm really, really excited to watch that because mwah, that man is a piece of work. You know, mediocre white man do it for me. I'm so sorry. Like it, it it's true. Like if you tell me. This mediocre white guy or Thor, uh, mediocre white guy, a thousand percent. I feel like really hot, sexy guys are overrated. Like, okay, what else do you bring to the table? Like, yeah, you're handsome and and 
Look, I was once talking to this guy and he was really fine. Like he was mm, chef's kiss physically, but mentally and emotionally. I felt like I was talking to a fucking wall, like a literal fucking wall. And I was like, what a waste of body. Because if there was just a little, just a little tiny amount of like some personality inside that brain of yours, you could go, you could, you would do amazing, sweetie. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying sweetie. Ah, uh, sigh. Good times, good times. I, I said that this intro was going to be short and I'm already 12 minutes in. So let's get, let's just get started with the episode. Fucked up. Uh, let's fucking do this. Episode 2 of The White Lotus is called New Day. The episode opens up with Paula and Olivia just laying in bed reading a, reading a book, and Olivia asks Paula if the vacation sucks and if she's worried that she's going to get bored. Olivia says that she just wishes they had drugs, and Paula remembers that she has a little weed, and she takes it out and says that she doesn't have anything to smoke it with. Then she remembers that she has a small bong and that she just threw in last minute. Olivia packs the bowl and she asks Paula if she wants to do a shotgun and she says that she does. So Olivia lights it up and then shotguns the smoke to Paula and then they laugh. Uh, Paula tells Olivia that they're going to get fat since weed makes everything delicious. And then Olivia's like, I have Addie's if you want to be a skinny tweaker. She says that she doesn't like to take them at night because it makes her all jittery. And then she can't fall asleep. Paula takes out a bottle of pills and she's like, I bought Ambien and Xanax and a few Clonopin, but that they can't use it all since she needs it for her panic attacks. And Olivia opens the Adderall pill bottle and she's surprised to find some ketamine. ketamine and she tells Paula that she forgot that she had stashed the K in there. Uh, can we take a can we take can we take like a little break? Like we just started the episode, and I'm already shook to my coreth. I am shooketh to my very coreth right now. Uh, weed. These girls probably flew in how are you sneaking in weed a bong ketamine i mean the prescription pills prescription pills pills they're easier to like take because you could take prescription pills everywhere but i mean okay let's count the drugs weed adderall uh ambient xanax clonopin Fucking ketamine. Ketamine. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I try to like sound it out, but it doesn't sound correctly. Uh, in my notes, I'm like, are these girls pharmacists or what the fuck is going on? Like, how are these? Okay, so I'm, they're sophomores, right? I'm assuming they're sophomores in college, but I'm not sure if they're sophomores in high school. Um, I think think it's college i'm not sure dude like like no who who did all these drugs in college not me not i is it because we're a different generation technically i don't know uh people in college right now are you doing all these drugs or is this just on the show like i'm so confused and why are you doing all these drugs like the prescription drugs fine do them but for recreationally i don't i don't think 
that's healthy. Mm. <laughs> then Olivia whispers to Paula, Hawaiian K-hole. And Paula comments how she loves it when they whisper. And Olivia asks if she wants to do some ASMR and Paula nods her head. Paula closes her eyes and Olivia starts making noises with the objects close to her. And she like does the noises like close to Paula's ear. So she turns on a lighter, she rattles the pill bottle, she crushes some weed very close to like Paula's ears, and then she lights up another bowl and she blows the smoke in Paula's direction. Then Mark yells from his room, completely ruining the ASMR moment, and Quinn comes out of the kitchen and then Nicole comes out of the room and informs the kids that their father was screaming because he just found out he doesn't have cancer. Then she asks if something is on fire, and Olivia's like, no, we were just doing witchcraft. <laughs> and Paula adds, making offerings to Hecate. And I had to look up who Hecate was because, obviously, I was not paying attention during our uh, Greek mythology section during middle school. But she's the goddess that accepted an early date into Greek religion, but probably derived from the Carrions in Southwest Asia Minor. In Hesiod, she's the daughter of the titan Perses and the nymph Asteria and has power over heaven, earth, and sea. Hence, she bestows wealth and all the blessings of the daily life. Interesting. That's really interesting that she bestows wealth and all the blessings of the daily life. That's a, that ha, that's a lot of commentary right now, uh, speaking of the white lotus. Um... And then Nicole is like, oh, and then she says, isn't it great news about your dad? He was convinced he was dying, but now he's going to live. And Olivia's just like, okay, great. And then she asks Nicole and Quinn to go back to their spaces now. And Nicole tells them good night, and she closes the door as she tells Mark that the kids are super happy that he doesn't have cancer. Quinn lingers, and he asks if he can get a hit, and Olivia says no, and Quinn basically pulls a younger brother card, and he's like, I'm going to tell my mom that you're doing bong rips in the room, and Olivia asks him not to be a little bitch, and then uh, Paula just says, snitches get stitches, and Quinn goes back to his kitchen, <laughs> to this kitchen, and slams the door shut, and Olivia and Paula go back to doing their ASMR. Okay. Is Nicole fucking stupid? Like, weed has a very particular smell. Everyone can recognize the smell of weed. So her asking, like, is someone burning wood in here? Like, what is that? What? <laughs> what? Is this what being a white parent is like? Because my mom could never. <laughs> Cut to the morning, and we're seeing the hotel staff prepare the beach. And then we see them setting up tables in the dining room area. We are uh, in Nicole and Mark's room and Mark is awake and he looks happy and full of life since he just found out that he doesn't have cancer. Then we see Tanya and she looks happy and refreshed too as she wakes from her slumber. In the pattern room, Shane is looking at Rachel's sleep and he brings down the covers and exposes her boobs, which are marvelous by the way, and he starts kissing her chest, which wakes her up and they begin to make out. Mm, of course, I mean, they're honeymooning. Of course, they're going to be fucking every fucking second. Uh, a, different, a different type of show since there was no fucking in Midnight Mass <laughs> whatsoever. No sex whatsoever. And then we see Belinda getting to work and she looks tired and concerned and tired and she goes to Armand and asks him how Lonnie is and Armand asks 
who's Lonnie? <laughs> Belinda reminds him about that Lonnie is a trainee that had a baby in his office. And Armand tells her that she's in the hospital and that he thinks that the baby is okay. Uh, oh, no, that he thinks that she is okay. Belinda asks about the baby and Armand responds, well, if it would have died, then I guess I would have heard by it about it by now. And Belinda asks if he's okay. And Armand tells her that he was criticizing Lonnie all day yesterday and that she was in fucking labor and how last night he wanted to, how he wanted to drink so fucking bad. Belinda reminds him that he's five years sober, sober and Armand asks, what if I can't fucking do this anymore? Belinda just tells him that he's going to get it together and then the phone begins to ring and Armand answers it and the guest is complaining about the treble in a TV being too high, like the sound, and that he needs it removed from the sound bar. Uh, sounds fucking outrageous. And Belinda walks away and she looks even more tired than when she got there. Can we see the differences? Like, the the hotel guests are like having the time of their like they're waking up feeling happy and refreshed and then we see the staff and the staff is like literally holding it together by a fucking thread ha huh, the service industry what a fucking joy um in the in the Mossbacher suite nicole comes out and tells the girls to get ready because they're gonna miss breakfast and olivia tells her mom that she can't just open the door like that like she can't just walk into the room and like not knock Nicole wants to know why, and Olivia tells her mom that Paula is an HSP, which means highly sensitive person. Nicole says that that is not real, and Olivia tells her that it was a clinical diagnosis. Excuse me. <laughs> and Nicole apologizes to Paula and tells her that next time she will not. And Mark comes out of the room, and he's looking super chipper, and he just plops down in Olivia and Paula's bed. Nicole then opens the door to the kitchenette, and Quinn is asleep naked on the floor. <laughs> Like his ass is exposed. Nicole asks him what he's doing on the floor and he tells her that there's no air in the kitchen and that he just got really hot. Nicole like tells Olivia that her brother is stroking out in the kitchen and how it is her fault. And then Mark very weirdly begins to massage and give small like pecks to Olivia's his daughter's feet. And Olivia's like, what are you doing? And Mark just tells his daughter that she's so beautiful and so smart. And then he turns to Paula and says, don't you think so? And Paula just responds with a, yeah. <laughs> then Mark notices the bong. And then he asks them if they bought they uh, brought weed on the plane. And then he notices the pill bottles and asks them if they're like a Mexican pharmacy. And Paula tells him how it's prescription. Quinn lets them know that, they're, that they were partying all night and making weird lesbian noises. And Olivia tells her dad that they were not being lesbians. And Paula tells Mark that they were being sea hacks. Mark completely disregards Paula's comment and he tells Olivia how he thought he had cancer, but that he doesn't and that he just had an ab abnormal reaction to a virus. And while all of this is going on, Nicole is just cleaning, cleaning in the background and tidying up. Mark mentions that he now has a new lease on life and that she is not getting rid of him so soon. Paula asks why he thought he had cancer and he's like, to be honest, Paula, because my testicles were swollen. And Paula calls them swole balls. And Olivia wants to know if the doctor biopsied his balls. And Mark lets them know that it was just an MRI. And the girls ask if his balls are still big or if they have deflated already. Mm, talk about a TMI. Like, why do you want to know that? Mark tells them that his balls have not deflated yet. And Paula wants to know if he's still contagious and what would happen if they caught the virus. And Olivia asks, will their clips explode? 
And Nicole just like snaps at Olivia. She's like, that is a nauseating image, Olivia. Mark notices that Nicole is rearranging the whole common room area and he wants to know what she's doing. And she tells him that she's cleaning up and that she is improving their space. Olivia yells out that her mom is having another manic episode and then Quinn comes back into the room. Nicole says that they should go, they should all go down for breakfast and Quinn yells at her at Nicole and is like, mom, it's a vacation. It's a breakfast buffet in Hawaii. It should not be a stressful situation. And then he goes inside the kitchen again and slams the door shut. Mark asks if he has to slam every door and then Qu Quinn yells out, what? And Mark just screams back, love you, bud. <laughs> we are now seeing Armand in the front desk and he's putting a smile in his face when interacting with guests, but he is going through it like full-on having an existential crisis. Then it is breakfast time at the White Lotus, and Shane is serving himself some food from the breakfast buffet, and then he goes down to sit down uh, with Rachel and mentions how the buffet is pretty decent. Rachel's on her phone, and she slams the phone down, and Shane asks what's going on, and Rachel tells him that she just got an offer to do a piece, and Shane says, we're on our honeymoon, fuck that, and Rachel agrees. Shane wants to know if it sounds good and Rachel tells him that it's about a YouTube influencer that sponsored a get out the vote campaign and and then he took five winners five winners to Burning Man in an electric RV that can actually hover above the ground. Shane says fuck that and Rachel continues that the campaign got 80,000 teenagers to register to vote. Shane wants to know how much money they're going to pay her, and Rachel just tells him that it's a few hundred bucks, and Shane just scoffs and tells her to just say no. Rachel argues that she can't continue to say no because then they will stop coming to her and asking her to write assignments, and she tells Shane that she has to stay in the mix. Shane is like, so what? You're on your honeymoon. Are you really going to hole up in the bedroom and write some disposable garbage? Ouch! Rachel tells him that it is not garbage and Shane comments on how it is like all of the other assignments they give her and how it is basically clickbait. Shane also asks, why does it matter if they stop calling? You don't need the money. And Rachel explain, explains that she spent years of her life building those relationships and Shane tells her that she did those jobs for money, but that her situation has not changed since they're married and that she no longer has to do stuff she doesn't want to do and do and and she can do whatever it is that she wants to do Rachel is like that's very generous of you Shane is like you're my wife and you must have thought about this Rachel tells him that it's hard for her to wrap her mind around it since her parents were always broke growing up and that she spent all of her life hustling and worried about money and Shane just says welcome to the rest of your wonderful life oh that would be amazing like if someone just came and told you that like you don't have to worry about money anymore welcome to the rest of your wonderful life except he's actually a good person and not an asshole piece of shit like shane <laughs> that would be lovely oh a girl can dream shane sees armand pa pass by and he chases after him and shows him the email that his mom forwarded him about the reservation for the other room Shane explains how yesterday he told them that they paid for the room uh, that they had, but that actually the email shows that they paid for the room they did not get. Armand assures Shane that his mother is only paying the rate for the room that they currently have. 
Shane wants Armin to just own up to his mistake, uh, to the mistake made by the hotel and how that is all he's asking for. And Armin is like, oh, if there has been a mistake, I do apologize. I'm so very sorry. Shane thanks him and comments on how mistakes happen, but that since he's on his honeymoon, he doesn't want his special trip to be impacted by someone else's mistakes. Shane then asks what the hotel can do to make them feel better about their current situation, basically asking for a fucking handout. And Armand explains that the pineapple suite is occupied, and Shane asks when the current occupants are leaving. Armand tells him that they're leaving a day before them and that due to their new cleaning policy that they would not give that it would not give them enough time to get them in the room before their departure. And Shane asks if they can get another sort of upgrade and Armand tells Shane that him and Rachel are in the biggest suite and Shane says besides the pineapple suite and Armand annoyingly shuckles. Armand tells him that there's a slightly bigger room with the same floor plan but that the only thing is that it has a second powder room. And he asked Shane if he would like a second toilet. Shane says yes, and Armand lets him know that he would check to see if it is available. And Armand adds, it's a garden suite, so it does not have an ocean view, but it does have a second toilet. Shane changes his mind and tells him that it's all right. And Armand lets Shane know that he's a valued guest and that he senses his frustration, but that he is hopeful that he can find some way to make it up for him and to just let him think on it and that he would sh uh, he should go on and enjoy his day and that he will come find him later. Cut to Belinda giving Tanya a massage and Tanya is enjoying it so much. And Tanya tells Belinda that she is so good at this. Cut to after the massage and Tanya comes out looking refreshed and mentions how she, the massage went by so quickly and Belinda is like, oh, it's because you fell asleep. <laughs> Tanya tells her that she knows that she fell asleep because she dreamed that she was on this beautiful mountain range in Asia and the, that she had a cyanide pill and that she and then she said that and she stammers and then she tells Belinda again that she's so talented. <laughs> Tanya tells her that a lot of masseuse uh, just lay, lay you down and lubricate you and that's it but, but that Belinda really knew where she was going and Tanya asked Belinda if she would have dinner with her in the hotel tonight. Belinda is surprised by this request but Tanya explains that she woke up today feeling better than she has ever felt in her entire life and how she really wants to know how she did that. Belinda tries to explain to Tanya that the hotel doesn't really like it when the staff and the guests mingle and interact in that way. And Tanya asks if she can have dinner. Uh, and Belinda responds that it would be unusual. And Tanya's like, like some kind of like some kind of case system, cast, like some kind of cast system. Belinda thanks her for the invitation, but Tanya exclaims how that policy is absurd and that Belinda should be able to have dinner with her. And she wants to know who she has to talk to to make it happen. Belinda just tells Tanya that, like, oh, let me talk to Armand, and I'm sure it'll be fine. And they agree to meet a couple minutes after 7 at the restaurant. And then Tanya walks out. Cut to Quinn in the pool, and he's, like, carrying both his cell phone and his game into the pool, but he's, like, carrying it over his head so as to not to get them wet. And once he gets to the pool bar, which is located in the middle of the pool, he orders some nachos. Good choice, Quinn. Good fucking choice. We then see Rachel lounging by the pool and we see that Shane is over talking to this couple and and then Rachel, when he comes back, Rachel asks him who he was talking to and he's like, oh, I was just talking to the Germans that stole our room. Shane then calls Armand a fucking liar because he said that the German couple was leaving on Wednesday, but that he just asked them and that they're leaving on Tuesday, not Wednesday. This man is literally psychotic. 
Rachel is not understanding what the big deal is, and she says that they can get the room once a couple leaves. And Shane is just upset that Armand lied, and he says that he probably doesn't want them to get the room. And Rachel's like, why would he care? And Shane says the most truthful thing ever, and he's like, I guess because he thinks I'm an asshole. Okay, self-aware douchebag, we stand. <laughs> not really, we do not stand. I take it back. Rachel asks him if he was an asshole, and then he says no. So actually, never mind, he, he's not self-aware. And that he was actually trying not to be an asshole. And Rachel asks, so you failed at trying not to be an asshole. <laughs> I love the pettiness. Shane then says that he's going to call his mom to see if they refunded the difference between the rooms. And Rachel is just fed up. And then we see Shane calling his mother to see if she got the refund from the White Lotus. We also see Rachel is staring at Nicole Mossbacker, and she seems intrigued by her. Back at the pool bar, Mark sneaks up on Quinn and tries to scare him, but he fails. Such a fucking dab. And Quinn is just engrossed on his video game. Mark asks Quinn to cut down the screen time and to just enjoy the beauty of the resort. And he asks Quinn, how lucky are we? Then Mark brings up that when he was Quinn's age, his dad died. And that was one of the greatest sadness of his life, not getting to have a lot of experiences with his father. Quinn just tells his dad that if he does not save the game, it will lose his score. So totally disregarding everything, like the heartfelt, like, moment that Mark was trying to have with his son. But then uh, Mark just gives Quinn a chance to save his game. And then he keeps talking about how his dad was a real alpha male and that he was so tough on him growing up, but that at the end of the day, he worshipped his father. Then he says, when I thought I had cancer, and Quinn interrupts him and says, you mean yesterday? <laughs> and Mark disregards uh, his little side comment, and he continues and says that he told himself that life is too short and that they have to, to make the most out of every moment. So he signed themselves up for the scuba certification training. Quinn is clearly upset by this since they have to do eight hours of training in the pool, and he says that it's going to suck so hard. Mark lets Quinn know that he wants to do this activity with him and that he wants to bro out with him, basically. And then Quinn appeases his father and agrees to do the scuba training. And Mark mentions how he is so happy. We then see Rachel approaching Nicole, who's working on her laptop by the pool. Rachel asks if she's interrupting and Nicole tells her that it's fine. And Rachel introduces herself and asks if she can sit with her. She apologizes for interrupting her job, uh, but she just said that she's entering. But Nicole like responds that she's just answering some emails. And then Nicole asks Rachel if she's on her honeymoon. Rachel tells her that she is, and Nicole mentions that they have the, that newlywed look to them. And Rachel shares that she's sort of having a career crisis, but then she saw her working and that she wanted to say that she admires her for accomplishing so much and that she just wanted to tell her that. Nicole asks about her career crisis, and Rachel explains that her uh, explains her crisis and how her husband is way more successful than her, and that she worries that his orbit is stronger than hers, and that his gravitational pull will just suck her in, and that she will become this moon to his planet, and that she won't only lose her mediocre career, but that she might also lose herself and her identity. Nicole wants to know if she signed a prenup, and Rachel tells her that she did, but that the pre and that the prenup arrangement is pretty generous. But and then Nicole finishes the finishes the sentence: "If your marriage ends, you're not set for life." And Rachel tells her that she is right, and how there's like a structure to the prenup, then a time component, and how it is complicated. And Nicole tells her that she thinks she has to be really careful and to keep her 
own orbit going because she doesn't want to have to abandon her career and then the marriage doesn't work out later in the future. Nicole adds that her power is her independence and not to give up her power. Oof! I fucking love that. Yes, let me repeat it again for, for all the girlies, the gays, and the days, the days, the days in the back. Your power is your independence. Do not give up your power. We stand. We fucking stand. Rachel thanks her for talking to her, and Nicole tells her that she likes to support women whenever she can. And Rachel thanks her again and tells her how she doesn't want to bother her anymore. And she gets up to leave. But then Nicole asks her what her career is. And Rachel sits right back down. And she tells her that she's a journalist and how she does freelance. So she's all over the place. Rachel also shares that she actually wrote a profile about Nicole and how it was about the 10 uh, power women in the tech world. Nicole is surprised to find out that she wrote that piece. And then she says, that was a fucked up piece. Rachel is confused and Nicole comments that she remembers the article and how she thought it was a real hatchet job. Rachel asks if she's being serious and Nicole is being a thousand percent serious. She continues and says that she didn't have to make her out to be this Machiavellian Gorgon that rode the wave of the Me Too movement by using the victimization of other women in her company to get up on top. Rachel tries to explain herself and she's like, it did not read like that and Nicole continues. This is the kind of thing that hurts me, and not to mention the cause. Rachel at this point is tongue-twisted, and she explains that she was basically repurposing the profile from the New York Post, and Nicole calls that bad journalism, and not to mention inaccurate, because she climbed the corporate ladder by herself by working her ass off. Rachel kind of like stays quiet, and she's like, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry you didn't like the piece. And then both Rachel and Nicole exchange pleasantries, and it's like, have a nice vacation. Rachel gets up and walks away, and she seems to be in shock by this interaction. Cut to the beach, and Olivia is asking Paula if she wants to do some type of drug, and Paula asks how long the effect is going to last, and Olivia tells her that it is around 20 minutes, so Paula agrees that she doesn't want to do it. Olivia takes out the fucking ketamine, and Paula takes a bump from it, and then Olivia takes a bump herself, and then they start to fucking trip. Paula gets so happy and giggly, and she thanks Olivia for bringing her there, and Olivia tells her that she does not know how happy she is to have her there. Then, fucking Tanya starts approaching the girls, and then Paula's like, oh no, and she sits down next to them, and she starts going off about how pretty they both are and how they have amazing skin, but my heart, my homegirls are tripping hard. Tanya tells them not to mind her and that she's just scouting for a place to throw her mother's ashes and how she's just looking for the perfect spot. She explains that her mother passed away a couple weeks ago and how she loved the ocean, so she brought the ashes with her on her trip. And how she's going, uh, and she's going on about how it is a heavy box of ashes and that she doesn't think that she can toss the ashes into the shoreline because then the ashes would just splash right back to the beach and it would be like littering. And how she wants to charter a boat and then go into the deepest part of the ocean and sprinkle her in. And then she asks the girls what they think. Both Olivia and Paula, Paula are like, uh, we gotta go. We gotta pee really, really bad. And Tanya responds that she has to pee too, but that she's holding it. <laughs> and then Paula says that she's sorry about her mom as she walks away. And Tanya just tells them to have a nice day as the girls run off. Tanya then notices that the girls left their bags, uh, their bag of goodies um, right there at the beach, but they're long gone. Cut to Armand's office and he's talking with the patent's travel agent, Lorenzo. So I forgot to mention that 
when Shane and when Shane calls his mom, his mom is like, oh, I'll have Lorenzo handle this. So Armand is talking to the travel agent, Lorenzo, and he's explaining to Shane, uh, to Armand that sh who Shane's dad is and how Armand has to make it up to Shane and Rachel because Lorenzo sends all his clients to the White Lotus and he is giving them a bunch of business. Lorenzo tells Armand that he knows one of the higher-ups at the White Lotus and that he will call him if he has to. And Armand just tells Lorenzo that he's taking care of it. Armand says that he, they will give uh, them freebies and get them into the room by Wednesday due to their cleaning protocol. And Lorenzo is like, fuck the cleaning protocol. And Armand just tells him that he will get them in the room as soon as he can. Lorenzo just ends his call by saying, Tuesday, get them in by Tuesday. And he hangs up on Armand. One of the staff members of the White Lotus had entered Armand's office while he was on the call. And, you know, Armand notices him and asks him what he wants. And the guy just tells him that a client gave him a bag that he found in, at the that they found at the beach and that he was just going to put it in the lost and found. Armand asks if the bag has a tag and the guy says no. And then he asks Armand if he's all right. And Armand just tells him that he is busy. As soon as the guy leaves, Armand calls another hotel employee and he tells Christy to have some flowers dropped off to Lonnie at the hospital. And during the call, he's going through the contents of the bag and he notices all of the drugs that the girls had in their bag. Armand puts the bag away in his desk, so not in the lost and found, and then he walks out of the office. Cut to Olivia and Paula running back into the beach looking for their bag with all of their little drugs, but obviously they can't find it and they're freaking out. They run back to the hotel and then we see them getting to the dining uh, area and they go to sit down at the Moss Walker table. And Olivia lets her parents know that Paula lost her bag at the beach and how there, how there was some crucial shit in there. Mark wants to know what was in the bag and Paula is like, all of my thoughts for a thesis I'm about to write. And Nicole is like, that's impressive and ask what her thesis is on. And Paula is like, colonialism. And Mark just, Mark just says, big topic, huh? <laughs> and Olivia adds, that's why I need to find the backpack. Nicole sees Rachel and Shane walk into the dining area and she tells them that Rachel came up to her by the pool and said that she was a fan. And they all don't say anything. And then after a few seconds, Olivia is like, a fan of who? <laughs> the writing for the White Lotus is so good. It's like such comedic relief. It's so comical. Shout out to all the people in the writer's room. And of course, an alarm is going off right now as I'm recording. Can y'all hear it? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop because that uh, alarm is annoying, but I'll be right, right back. Nicole is like a fan of me, obviously. And that's that it was nice to hear, uh, but, you know, to hear that from a stranger, but how she's a terrible journalist. <laughs> At the patent table, Rachel tells Shane that she thinks she's going to take the job. And Shane is upset that she's considering writing an article while they're in their honeymoon. Rachel explains that she can't afford to just walk away from her career. And Shane is like, no, no one's asking you to walk away from your career. And he calls it weird that she hasn't worked for the last couple of months and how, months and how all of a sudden she wants to work during their honeymoon. Rachel explains that she was so busy with wedding stuff, so that is why she couldn't work. And Shane tells her that it's rude to take a job while they're on their honeymoon, so she can't take it. Excuse me, she can't take it? Sir, your wife can't make her own decisions? Mm. At the Mossbacher table, Nicole is going on about how her about her interaction with Rachel, and she's explaining that she just thinks that it's funny that she is this role model to a stranger, but that most people admire her, that, that but that most people admire when you achieve things, but that Olivia looks at it like a personality disorder. So basically, saying that she's a role model to strangers, but not to her own daughter. 
Olivia says that making shit happen all of the time is a compulsion and how it staves off feelings and emptiness. And Olivia asks her mom what exactly she's getting done. And then she compares Nicole to put Putin. You know, like Putin. <laughs> I can't pronounce. Uh, the, you know, Putin. That's his name, right? <laughs> okay. So Olivia compares Nicole to Putin. Not Putin. Not, uh, I can't. I'm so sorry, fucked up fam. I'm like laughing at my own jokes. Not like what Harley Quinn calls the Joker. Not Putin. Putin. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going fucking insane. I can't pronounce Putin. Putin? Besides the point, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and then uh, this, so she's like, oh, you're this, you're, she compares Nicole to Putin in the same way that Putin is an overachiever and how he's a and how he is impressive, but yet evil. And Mark tells Liv that her mother is not Putin. Like, I'm so sorry. I I apologize so deeply. <laughs> Nicole thanks Mark for defending her. And Mark tells Liv that Nicole, Nicole runs one of the most profitable search engine, engines in America. And how she has dominated in a male-oriented career culture. And how that is very cool. Olivia argues that her mom's company is con contributing to the unraveling of the social fabric and asks if she should be rooting for that just because it is ran by a woman. And Nicole tells her that, no, she should be rooting for it because it's ran by her mom. And then we see the hot waiter from the first episode walk by and he and Paula make sexy eye contact. Back at the patent table, Rachel is explaining to Shane that he can't say no to her writing the article because at the end of the day, it is her decision. And Shane tells her that it does not make sense how she... And, and how she is going to ruin their honeymoon. Uh, excuse me, she is Shane? She is, you little baby man? Armand gets there at the perfect time and he comes bearing gifts. He gives him a complimentary champagne bottle and Shane gives, the, gives him the go-ahead to pour the champagne. And Armand apologizes for all of the confusion and mentions that he's determined to get them into the pineapple suite before they leave their honeymoon. And he tells them to please enjoy before he walks away. Shane comments on how Lorenzo probably called them, and he's just glad that he's finally getting some respect. At the Mossbacker table, Olivia gets up to see if anyone has seen their back, and Paula gets up from the table as well, but goes a different direction. So she waits a little while, and then, then she leaves after Olivia has left. Olivia sees Armand and asks him where the lost and found is, and she tells him how her friend lost her backpack at the beach and how she was wondering if someone had turned it in. Armand tells her that he can check in his office and Olivia states, states that there's a lot of important things in there. And Armand just tells her that he is sure he sh is sure there are and that he will go take a look. In his office, he just makes an annoyed face and then Olivia sees Paula mingling with the hot waiter boy. And then Armand gets out of his office and lies to Olivia by saying that he didn't see it in there, but that he will definitely keep an eye out for it. Olivia looks angry as she watches Paula and the hot waiter. At the dining area, we see that Belinda made it to dinner with Tanya, and Tanya tells her how she has so much respect for people that bring instant relief, and then she asks her if she's enjoying her shrimp tacos. Belinda tells her that they're really good and that she's having a great time, and that it is so nice to hear some positive feedback, and, um, and it's so nice to hear that she's actually making a difference and how she sometimes questions if she is. Tanya wants to know why she questions that, and Belinda explains how the clientele out there are mostly rich white people. And to be honest, she struggles with that. And Tanya, a white woman, just stares at her. 
<laughs> a rich white woman just stares at her as she says that. <laughs> Back with Shane and Rachel. And Shane proposes that whatever they're paying her, he will double it. So he will pay her to have fun at their honeymoon. Pretentious. And in Tanya's table, Belinda's saying how she does think that there's a purpose in helping rich people find healing, be more present and more aware. And Tanya's like, yeah. Belinda continues, rich people, they're the ones that, well, you know, are fucking up the whole world. And Tanya says, I know a lot of rich, white, fucked up people. They could really use you. That's me imitating Tanya from The White Lotus. Thank you very much. Tanya asks if she's ever thought of starting her own business and that she would be down to fund something like that. And Belinda's surprised by this, and she's about to say something when Tanya turns around to Nicole and Mark, and she yells out that they have a beautiful family. Mark says thank you, and he says that he knows, and Tanya introduces herself as the lady from the boat, and she tells him that she saw them uh, there, and Nicole's like, that's right, yeah. And there's an awkward silence, and you would think that that was the end of the conversation, but Tanya introduces Belinda, and she tells the Mossbachers how Belinda is incredible, and that yesterday she was in agony, and that in that, that morning she had no pain at all. Nicole just mentions, I will have to make an appointment with Belinda, and Tanya asks if she's not booked with me first, and then there's an awkward, another awkward pause. Okay, let's give it up to all of the awkwardness and how realistic it is. We love awkward moments because they're so real in the real life. Then Paula gets back to the table and Olivia asks her where she was and she tells her that she was in the bathroom and Paula asks about the bag and Olivia tells her that what Armand said. Mark starts clinking his knife against his glass and he starts to get up to like make a toast but then he stops himself and sits right back down and he tells his family that that what he's about to say is a little cheesy but that he had a little health scare but that it turned out to be a blessing because it is the kind of thing that gives you a new perspective in life and how lucky they all are and if you really think about it they have no problems they have food to eat they're healthy they're alive etc at the pattern table rachel whispers over to shane that the mossbacker family is so obnoxious and how the mother and daughter are both bitches and then we see Mark continuing his speech. It's also a reminder to look at the things from a new way. And if you do, then every day is a new day, right? And if it is, it's like you're always being born into life, like all the time. And you're not stuck, decaying, or, or dying. Anyways, it's just what I was thinking. I wanted to share with share it. And I love you guys. <laughs> we, can we see the distinction? Of like the beautifully crafted monologues that we got from Midnight Mass. And then this toast that he was basically going around and not saying anything the whole time. He's like, it's also a reminder to look at things from a new way. And if you do, then every day is a new day, right? <laughs> what? What? Nicole's like, that's so sweet. And they clink their glasses. And back at, back inside the hotel, uh, we see Nicole help Quinn move his bed from inside the kitchen. And Olivia asks what she's doing. And then Nicole tells her that uh, Quinn is going to suffocate if he sleeps in the kitchen again. And Olivia tells her to get him his own, own room or to just put a fan in there. But Nicole tells her that he will sleep up there with them and to just be nice to Quinn. Nicole goes back inside her room and Quinn awkwardly goes to sit down in his bed and he just stares at them and Paula and Olivia stare back at him and they just have an awkward staring contest and then Olivia tells him that they don't want him to sleep there and he just says fine I'll go sleep in the fucking beach and then he storms out. Paula comments how that was easy and then Olivia turns and asks her who the guy from the lobby was and Paula pretends to act dumb again but Olivia tells her that she saw her with him.
Paula calls him a busboy and that he was just a random that tried to pick her up, but Olivia doesn't believe her. In the pattern room, Shane and Rachel are in bed, and Rachel's telling him how he emailed uh, them to tell her to tell them that she can't do the piece because she's in her honeymoon. And Shane thanks her, but she's clearly upset. Shane hugs her and says, I'm going to give you what every girl in America wants, apparently. A trip to Burning Man with an electric RV that can levitate above the ground. <laughs> Rachel tries not to laugh, and then Shane says, I love my wife. My wife is so hot, as he begins kissing her. And Rachel forgives him, and they begin to make out. Then we see Mark answer a call from his uncle Charlie, and he's saying how he saw that he called him, and he explains to his uncle that he had a health scare and thought he had cancer, but that he's fine, but that he called because he was worried and because he couldn't remember the type of cancer that his dad had died from. Uncle Charlie tells Mark that his dad did not, did not die of cancer, and Mark is taken off guard by this, and Uncle Charlie says, your dad did not die from cancer. He died from AIDS. Mark is so shocked by this, and he asks his uncle if he is sure. And then Mark asks why he asked Mark asks his uncle why he didn't know about this. And Uncle Charlie just says that he his dad did not want anyone to know, and how his mom could not handle it. But he just thought that someone would have told him by then. Mark asks how his dad got AIDS, and his uncle Charlie is like, "Well, by having sex with men." And how he had two lives, his family, and his life with homosexuals. That's quoting from Uncle Charlie, of course. And Mark is flabbergasted. We then see Quinn walking to the beach with a blanket that he took from his bed. And then cut to Armand in his office staring at Paula's bag of goodies. And he looks through the, through the bag again and takes out a pill. And then he takes it. Five years of sobriety down the fucking drain. Back with Quinn as he watches the sunrise from the beach and he sees a whale from where he's at and he looks amazed by that encounter. The first time that he has felt any other emotion than being annoyed in the first two episodes. And that is end of episode two. What is up, fucked up fam? I'm just telling you from the start, I'm expecting a phone call. Uh, so if I'm very rudely interrupted by my phone, please disregard. I'll continue after my phone call. Uh, but let's get started with some updates, starting with personal updates. I went to go see Lisa motherfucking Traeger. She, uh, so she's the host of That's Messed Up and her own podcast, Enemies. I always talk about her. She was down in San Diego at Mic Drop Comedy. Look, if you're local to San Diego and you want to check out a comedy like club, check out Mic Drop Comedy. Honestly, it's a great fucking venue. Drinks are, the drinks are drinking. Uh, the vibes are vibing. And everyone's just going to have a good time. It's like a New Year venue. And you know how a lot of like comedy clubs are in downtown? Well, this one's in Claremont Miss Mesa. So it's it's great. And oh my God, there's people at my house right now. I'm, I'm recording this from like my hometown. So my sister and her friend are like in the kitchen. And my sister's fucking singing right now. Let's see if we can hear her. 
okay, so of course she stopped singing right when I shut the fuck up so everyone can listen to her. So rude and so nasty of her. But yeah, I went to go see Lisa. Oh my god. Honestly, the people of San Diego need to put more effort, need to support the com- the comedy club business. Because it's not even a big venue, but there was not a lot of people. I expected more people. Like, Lisa's fucking funny. And she's got a big following. And the podcast has also a very big following because when I went to Mic Drop Comedy to go listen to the live show of That's Messed Up, it was fucking full. Every seat was taken. And right now when it was just like Lisa said, there wasn't that many people, but she was still so funny. And again, the vibes, immaculate. It was a great show. I feel like some of her jokes I had already heard because, you know, I listen to her all the time on the podcast, but it was so much fun. And I had originally invited Terry and Vicky, but they couldn't make it that day. So I just went by myself and... It was so much fucking fun. One of the what like in one of the moments, she asked the audience, "What would you say if like you're hooking up with a guy and he said your pussy feels like tres leches cake?" <laughs> and I responded and I said, "Oh, this is so embarrassing." I said, "It depends how fucked up I am." Oh my god! And then she's like, like laughs and she's like, "Damn, San Diego, you guys are really honest." <laughs> I can't. Why do I put myself in those type of fucking positions? It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it makes for a good story on the podcast. So yeah, I want to know what would you say, fucked up flum? What would you say if you're hooking up with a guy or whoever? Uh, whatever your preference are, you're hooking up with someone, and then they're like, "Damn, that pussy feels like this leches cake." I snorted. I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassing. It's a Friday afternoon after a very, very, very long week. This week felt like a fucking month, TBH. But we're out here. We're doing God's work. By God's work, I'm literally working on this podcast. But let's move on to our next update. So not only did I go to Lisa's show by myself, I went out to the bar again by myself. It was a lot of fun. Okay, people, people, why is it such a bad thing when girls or women go out by themselves? Like, every time when I'm out by myself, I'm just vibing, just having a good time. And, you know, like, people are going to approach you. It's fine. Like, I'm prepared for it. And they're like, oh, can I sit here or are your friends sitting here? Or, like, where are your friends? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "Mm, I came here alone. And they're like, oh, my God god you came here alone i could never and i'm like yeah because you're not but not a bad bitch and that's okay that's okay but i am so uh but yeah it was a lot of fun this time i didn't go crazy i didn't meet up well i did run into a high school friend so it was really nice uh seeing her she showed me pictures of her babies and yeah so if you're listening to this it was really nice seeing you in pb but i kept it casual because i didn't want to drink a lot and I just went home earlier than last time so it but it was still a lot of fun look sometimes I want to go out and my friends are busy and that's okay I I don't want to rely on my friends to go out all the time so if when I want to go out they're not available that's fine I'll just go out by myself and it's okay I'm independent I have fun all alone I'm a people watcher I love watching people and drug people Drunk people are fucking funny when you're not that drunk. So, yeah, I definitely recommend go out. Do shit by yourself. You shouldn't be afraid of 
being alone. Yeah, don't be afraid of being alone. Also, moving it, like, going a completely different direction. Uh, I've got some really, really, really exciting news uh, that I found out recently. So, my play, Tamales de Piña, got selected for a stage reading uh, in San Diego. And the stage reading is going to take place the day of my birthday, October 3rd. This is the first... Um, full-length play of mine that gets a stage reading and you know it was chosen out of other plays by a local uh like play uh like theater company in san diego the scripps ranch theater i fucked up fam like i'm in a cloud right now i feel like this past month like things just started to fall into place like i started my new job this happened this opportunity happened to have like a stage reading for my play tamales de piña i'm casting people i found a director i'm i i just things are making sense things life is making sense i can see clear right now and just going off on that same direction dan from the cinema fools reached out he he like uh, I'm not sure if he still works at a museum. I think he does, but he's he's gonna curate a show, and I've worked with him before. Um, he did a um, what is it called when you do a museum thing? A show? I guess it's a show. No, is it a show? Whatever exhibit, a museum exhibit. The exhibit was called A Dollar and Some Change, and I believe this was back in January 2019, if I remember correctly. Let me go to my Instagram really quick, because I believe I have a post from that time. I think, yeah, here it is. Yeah, January 2019, uh, being artsy at, this is what I posted on my Instagram page, started 2019 being artsy at the a dollar and some change art exhibit that's what they're called art exhibits so he's curating another um art exhibit and he asked me if i wanted to show like put up some of my plays and i didn't have any plays that fit like the theme for this um art exhibit that he's gonna put up so i was just like i'm gonna write something completely new I hadn't written a poem in so long, and I wrote two poems that I am very, very fucking proud of. Look, writing poems, poetry is my first love. My first love will always be fucking poetry. That's where I learned that I love to fucking write. It was poetry. Look, there's a list. There was poetry, then came playwriting, and then came podcasting um so yeah i am so excited another opportunity to showcase like my art at the end of the day playwriting poetry podcasting this is all self-expression to me this is all an um, extension of who i am as a person and who i am as an artist so just getting having people in my in my corner that are rooting for me it just makes me feel so so fucking loved and i can't take i can't thank all of you like i really can't like i could try i could try to thank you but i probably wouldn't even get near to to show you like my level of gratitude at this fucking moment wow so yeah 
things are going my way. I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fucking good. More than halfway done through 2022. And I'm finally feel like things are falling into place. And I could see the end of the, like, I could see the light at the end of the fucking tunnel. That's all I have to say. So whenever you're feeling down or whenever you're feeling like life is against you, just keep moving forward. You'll get there. You'll fucking get there rant over (laughs) update corner over but let's go move on to a recommendation corner so speaking of doing things alone i went to go watch nope so the new jordan peele movie i liked it but i was expecting more like i wanted more however uh spoiler alert i guess there is something very 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 fucking scary about an inanimate object being like an evil entity so a think a thing not a think (laughs) a thing that shouldn't have feelings or emotions or hunger (laughs) in this case having all of those things is fucking terrifying it kind of reminded me of uh one of the movies that the ruin podcast covered it was about a car that like like an evil car (laughs) that killed people so that's a spoiler alert for nope not a car obviously obviously if it has to do with aliens but yeah it was it was good i mean i mean kiki palmer uh daniel kaluuya oh my god chef's kiss the acting glenn from the walking dead the acting a one a thousand percent also speaking of lisa traeger she made like a cameo at the beginning she's the girl that got kicked by the horse at the beginning of nope so just a little little shout out to lisa not only is she a podcaster not only is she a comedian but she's also out here trying to make it in acting so i see you girl i fucking see you i'm here for it you, you got my support take all my fucking money <laughs> uh podcast so i've been binging uh the podcast moms and murder so i have kind of like forgotten about this podcast because of course i have so many other podcasts to listen to but i just i I, again i have obsessive tendencies so if i get cut up if i get like start listening to a podcast i'm gonna listen to it till i'm all caught up but yeah they've got some really really good like um episodes yeah episodes because i feel like with like crime like true crime stuff it gets repetitive right like if you listen to multiple true crime podcasts it does get repetitive they're obviously gonna cover the same crimes but i feel like moms and murder has kind of like are covering crimes that i had never heard about so that's really refreshing shout out to moms and murder and they don't cover any crimes that have to do with children because both of them are obviously moms so if you want something a little on the lighter side not so dark uh like you need your true crime fix but you don't want to be depressed because of the horrors of the world uh moms and murder is where you're gonna want to be at speaking of murder <laughs> look at me connecting everything uh i uh, am watching the tv show only murders in the building season two again we love only murders in the building it's a show about a podcast a true crime podcast so obviously that's what i'm gonna be watching of course it's so good it's so good the jokes are so funny the writing mwah, selena gomez steve martin martin what's the other what's the other fool's name uh let me martin murders in the building 
Martin Short, of course, that one fool from the Santa Claus movies. Uh, <laughs> you know who the fuck I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> so disrespectful of me to uh, refer to Martin Short as that one fool from the Santa Claus movies. I am so sorry. Martin Short, sir, sir, if you're listening to this, I am so fucking sorry. Like, how embarrassing. Like, who, who, who the fuck do I think I am? <laughs> also... Uh, TV shows. I'm watching American Horror Stories. I'm I've been liking it. You already know how I feel about the last season of American Horror Story. So singular, American Horror Stories. I really like the first season, and I'm really liking the second season. the uh, The horror stories are new, refreshing, like not like anything I've seen before. I like it. It's creepy. It's good. I mean, the acting, obviously, they've got their ensemble already. They have those, the same actors that they um, recycle every every season or every few seasons. So, you know, we love the actors that come out in American Horror Story or American Horror Stories. We love them. But yeah, go check it out if you're into more of like a creepy fucking vibe and a show that i oh i started watching um i literally just started watching this single drunk female on hulu hulu doing god's motherfucking work yes we love hulu single drunk female i think i'm like two three episodes in it's pretty good it's about a 28 year old who is a struggling alcoholic uh aren't we all no hopefully no listeners fucked up them if you're an alcoholic seek help Alcohol will literally ruin your life and or kill you. But yeah, she's like trying to go through the steps of recovering. And of course, it's not as easy as they make it seem. You're going to fall sometimes and you're going to fuck up. But as long as you keep trying, right? <laughs> right? Tell me right. Tell me yes. Tell me I'm right. <laughs> I do want to watch this other uh, Hulu show. It's called This Fool. It's about like, um, like this dude... Uh, rehabilitating um ex-cons i think i believe it's supposed to be like a comedy it seems funny it the acting the cast i mean give more jobs to brown people that's all i'm saying give more jobs to latinos that's all i want in life hell yeah more acting gigs hell fucking yes so i mean it plays in I, i'm not sure if it plays into the stereotype because it does has it does have to do it does has I why am I missing out my like past tenses and future tenses or whatever it has to do with like people that have gotten out of jail and are trying to get back into working or like being back into being a citizen and a non-incarcerated citizen so I don't know I haven't watched it yet I'll watch it and I'll give you an update of what I think and uh I think that is it that is it so let's get started with today's episode also last thing i know well no i didn't know i know i forgot to do the savage of the week uh segment for last week's episode and i almost forgot to do it for this episode but to be honest fucked up fam tbh after midnight mass and now seeing the characters we're getting (laughs) in the white lotus i feel like no one deserves the savage of the week award uh you know i don't know i i have to think about it a little a tiny bit more maybe in other episodes 
But yeah, everyone's a fucking pussy, TBH. In the White Lotus, everyone's a fucking pussy. Uh, yeah, so that's all I have to say on the matter. Matter? 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 <laughs> who, who the fuck let me have a podcast? Oh, wait, it was me. Ah, uh, surprise. I am... I am the the intruder. Just kidding. I I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I'm saying fucked up, fam. Please bear with me. My mental sanity is insane. I, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Well, we've gotten to the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening. Y'all are the real ones. Uh, follow the podcast on social media on Instagram where that show F me up F is spelled E F F E D on Twitter where that show fuck me up uh, and that is spelled D A T fuck is spelled without a U so F C K E D. Uh, give the podcast a five star review on Apple Podcast and in Spotify it helps the podcast gets more visibility and more people can join this fuck this fucked up journey ah but I'm. T- ah. <laughs> You're probably listening and you're like, bro, you do not want more people to listen to this shit. This shit is embarrassing. But I'm still going to do it, fucked up fam. I am still going to do it. Who's going to stop me? I live alone. Who's literally going to stop me? I should not tell people that I live alone. Honestly, that's dangerous. Just kidding. I live with like five other people in a one bedroom. (laughs) We live in a commune. I don't know why I'm being, I'm acting so loopy, but again, thank you so, so much for listening. I appreciate you and I love you. Yes, I love you. Do you have issues saying the L word? It's fine because I love you. And if I love you, nothing else matters. Okay. I think that's, that's my sign to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) And without further ado, remember, be gentle, be kind. And don't be an asshole, unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.